0: Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Terry takes you inside the outdoors You know, hunting, fishing, camping It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Now, here's Terry all right, welcome to the second hour of Terry Wickstrom
1: Outdoors. I'm Chad Lachance filling in for Terry Wickstrom, who's away on assignment. I believe he is in an island in the Pacific somewhere surrounded by fish. We wish him safe travels and good fun. Uh, with that, we're going to go back to the phones. We're going to be joined by Mr. Nathan Zlinski of Tightline Outdoors. I'm a little surprised to hear from Nate. Figured he might be in the woods, but how you doing this morning, Nate?
2: I'm doing good. I'm uh, on top of a mountain with one leg up on a rock, praying that
1: the service lasts for 15 minutes. Uh, you got to captain. Are, my it. hands are bloody this morning. Oh, that's a good sign. How'd it go this morning? It is a good sign. You know, I, uh, a lot of people watched our
2: live feed this week. Uh, one of my best friends in the, in the whole world is uh, Robert Blosser. He's the, uh, the three-time world champion walleye angler. He is out here, and he shot a pole at about 7.05 this morning. Real big bull, so we're having a great day.
1: Excellent. Well, I know the work starts when that happens. Uh, you know, there's uh you got what 400 pounds of meat laying there that you got to carry out of the woods at this point.
2: Exactly. It's a it's a wet, slippery, snowy morning, so uh, we got our work cut out for us. But uh, it's on the ground, and uh, we've been uh, we've been out in the woods for five, six days uh, looking for bulls and passing bulls up. So it's uh, it's a great time to to enjoy this. Say, How
1: sure. big you figure he is? Uh, you know, he's
2: uh he's in that low 300, 3, uh, 330,
1: three thirty five. There you go. Nice job. Well Yeah, he, uh, uh, he's got amazing
2: time length, so he's a little tricky. I gotta I gotta put tape on him, but
1: a uh, great bowl. So. Uh, excellent excellent well congratulations on that uh you well i guess it's not your bull so you won't be wearing those teeth but uh <laughs> I'm i wear them. i was told that uh that you wanted to talk a little bit about early ice now i uh, you know it's well known that you do a ton of ice fishing and uh, it's getting to be that time of year and uh and you wanted to talk a little bit of early ice so while our reception's holding up what do you got in mind for us
2: absolutely you know i think it's that time of year i mean you know if you look at temps across the state this morning we had temps uh you know the south Park area was one to five degrees some of the I-70 corridor stuff was in the low teens. Um, we're starting to get to that point to where our nights are getting cold. Everything's starting to cap. A lot of these lakes are building ice at night. If you get a windy day, it just blows off so it doesn't hold cap. But uh, the second we get a couple cold days, it's gonna, really going to start happening. And I think this year, you know, a lot of people think of the main icy starting when the when the giant lakes start really capping, so 11 miles, Ramby. Um When in reality, a lot of times, a boat dot cold. Uh, a small bay of these legs like frees up three weeks, four weeks before the main body of water. And a lot of times, it's early ice. Everybody overlooks shallow water fish. Now, Chad, you're an amazing shallow water angler. A lot of us that fish a lot learn to to adapt to shallow water fishing. But a lot of anglers still struggle in shallow water. and They feel more comfortable in those greater depths, even if you're calling a, a deep depth eight foot, ten foot. Early ice, it blows my mind how many numbers, how many big fish I catch in three, four, five feet of water. And those are the type areas where a shoreline can cap or a little bay can cap. Um, you talk one of the one of the dynamite fisheries of the state, now that the Antero Reservoir is open, and the Antero Boat Docks, um, they're going to be freezing here, if not now, very shortly. That um, offer literally some of the best fishing of the year, right on shore, right near that. Now, we always preach ice safety, don't do anything stupid, but as the smaller ponds freeze, as the bays freeze, as guys start venturing on the ice, because regardless of how safe we tell people to be, people are still going to venture out there. Um, but the shallow water is huge, so one, you can find ice early because you can fish those shallow water areas that are colder that are going to have good ice uh and number two safety of mine. not saying that we ever want to fall in but if you ever do fall in you're much better off to fall in in four feet of water uh than you are 10 12 15 feet of water so there's a lot of advantages to that shallow water fishing uh and that's really what we're talking about as this lake start pretty pretty tough um try shallow before you try deep it'll blow your mind the, the success that you'll have
1: well uh, you, you hit a couple things there first of all yeah I'm, I'm perfectly fine on ice up to about four and a half feet of water <laughs> any deeper than that <laughs> when my little noggin won't reach above the surface I get nervous on thin ice but uh, but you know I, I know some other some other top shelf anglers and I've been talking ice here lately same concept keeps coming up across the board is some of the fish can be extremely shallow I talked to one gentleman that fishes up in North Park a lot he's talking one to two feet of ice now intuitively as an angler who fishes open water a lot the shallower my fish are the farther I want to stay from them, if possible, in presenting my lures because they're spooky. How do you address that on ice?
2: Same type thing. So, number one in making your hole, if you're going to make a hole with a power auger, you have to allow those fish time to come back. So... When I'm in deeper water, I can power fish. I can drill a hole, drop a vex down, drop a bait, and if I don't see fish in five minutes, I'll move on. In the shallow water, I give myself 15, 20 minutes to so allow those fish to come back after spooking them. Two, um, if I'm going to do this, I try to find snow covered ice. So instead of fishing glare ice, try to find a, a crack that you can fish in here. Um, you know, that's going to offer some overflow that'll freeze on top, kind of make it gray to offer some cover. Um, fishing inside of a shelter, having neutral colored clothes, um, almost camouflaging yourself. Uh, is going to be huge. And the big thing with movement, as a fish comes in, you know, you can still jig your rod, tweak your wrist, but don't move your whole arm. Don't be moving your head. Don't be bouncing around too much. Keep uh, keep the colors dark um, and really just try to have that stealth approach. And with that being said, you know, you look at, at all the retailers right now, they all have their tackle out. And early ice, I go as natural as possible, you know, for almost all species, no matter what I'm targeting, walleye walleyes or, or rainbows or lakers or the um, natural really does well. When the lake's first freeze, it caps over, and that water really settles. So some of the clearest water of the entire year is at this first ice. It caps it, everything settles, the water's dense and cold, so your water's going to be clear. Uh, but on top of that, these fish are really, again, just getting used to that light, and that first ice is really bright. Um, so a lot of light's penetrating down there. So using Root beer colors, browns, olives, blacks. Um, everybody tends to want to go, you know, ice fishing, especially trout, they go with the basics of, of the pinks, the oranges, the whites. Um, and that really, for me, is a color that I'm going to take uh, three, four, five weeks after the lake's been capped. You know, so for me, it's a, it's a January color. My early ice, it's all about that natural presentation, lighter lines, smaller jigs more along the entire stealth program, from always clothing to line uh, to the actual tackle that you're using. Again, these fish are ferocious. They're, they're still hungry at early ice, lots of oxygen in the water, uh, and their vision is, is absolutely impeccable. They'll see your bait from a long ways away. Once they come close, uh, that natural approach will catch more fish than, uh, than the bright colors, per se.
1: Well, along those same lines, and I agree with that 100%, especially the clear water part of it, a couple of things. We, we dropped a camera through the ice at Boyd Lake a few years ago, and Boyd's not known as being particularly clear very often, but at first ice, it was really clear. We dropped the camera all the way to the bottom and pointed it back up, and you could make out the angler clear as day, walk around in the ice. So <laughs> what you're talking about, about walking around, I looked like a giant pterodactyl walking around in the ice with a rod sticking out. I mean, you could literally see everything I did. And so that speaks to what you're talking about, about sitting very still uh, and not moving around very much i've noticed and and you'll agree with this i'm sure almost anything in nature if you sit still you can get away with murder if you start moving (laughs) i don't care if it's an elk or a trout you're busted and uh and that's all there is to it and you're you're also probably looking at some of the biggest fish of the year at early ice that are going to come in shallow the reason i gravitate to shallow water angling is i do believe the largest fish in most most systems will spend the most time shallow as they have the least amount of predators there do you find you catch your larger than average fish at first ice Absolutely,
2: larger, and on top of larger, I'd say the most aggressive. If you took uh, the average fishery, you broke it down in, you know, water columns, five foot increments, all the way from super shallow to super deep. Not only are your biggest fish shallow, they're obviously much more aggressive. So even though you know we think of it hard to catch big fish it's much easier to target that more aggressive, larger fish than the deeper fish that are going to have just a little more, you know, pressure built on low light systems, things like that. So shallow is always going to lead to more aggressive, which leads to a winning pattern. Um, other things that you think about, like when I set up, uh, you know, I use clam fish houses. So I'm sitting in a trap style shelter and I have a couple options. I have like a thermal option that's going to have a gray interior. Really built to add light to the angler so you can see the tie knot, see what you're doing. But early ice, I want a black interior, so I'm totally blacked out. Um, So I'm using a black interior shelter just for what you're talking about. You know, you look down that hole, it's like a a flashlight shining up at you. Um, Anything I can do to darken that up. um, I mean, a lot of guys talked about when we did that ice fishing DVD, we actually covered our holes. So we took like a, a five-gallon bucket top, cut a hole in the circle and cut a basically an inch channel going out of the bucket. You fish right through that little hole and you hook a fish you just slide the bucket off but it blocks out all light coming back up the hole uh, just so the fish don't, don't spook you and see you. And a lot of times in the shallow water we're sight fishing. And the worst thing you can do is when you're sitting with a buddy and a fish comes up, you know, you tell your buddy, oh, look, 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 I see one. You know, the second you do that, that movement, the noise, um transfers right down that hole and then you have a blown day. And I'd say the number one thing with the shallow water, um, especially in clear ice, is, number one, walking to your spot with ice cleats and then keeping them on while you fish. Now, again, safety is always number one. So if you're worried about falling and hurting your back or, you know, breaking your head open or something like that, obviously wear cleats. But if you can get by without cleats, I I personally, um, you know, I put cleats with my customers, uh, but I try to go without cleats the best I can. And for sure, once I get everybody situated in a shelter, they're sitting down, I take the cleats off and or bring a pad or something for them to put their feet on uh, if they do want to continue to wear those cleats in case they have to move around later for a photo. Uh, But ice cleats moving around, I mean, you barely move your foot with an ice cleat, um, and that transfers so much noise down below the ice. It's a a surefire way to, to blow those fish. Um, so again, what you are personally doing more so than even your, your lure, your rod, um, your your general setup is going to lead to success more so than about anything else out there. So you're always keeping that in mind. Um, and then with that, you know, you're you're an expert on online. There's so many line options nowadays. Uh, you really are thinking about that in this early ice. So I personally am using a. If I'm fishing big fish, I'll actually use a green mono, uh, just for the fact that I want stretch. The problem with fishing two, three, four feet of water, when you hook a big, say a 26-inch big rainbow, They have no room to fight under your hole, so they're going to take a lot of extreme runs, Um, and a lot of times, anglers will put their rod in the hole uh, to avoid kind of having that severe angle, and a lot of times, you know, leading in breakoffs and or a fish spitting the hook. Um, So with that being said, I'll use a mono to half stretch. Again, everybody preaches losing stretch. At certain times, you like that stretch, so I'll use like a four-pound mono to where I can bury that rod in the hole, that fish turns at me, and I'm not quick to adjust to that, uh, that stretchiness can keep that fish hooked. Once I get out to 8, 10 feet of water to where I can fight a fish below the hole, that's when I start going to my fluorocarbons to really help me out with that clear water uh, and overall, you know, trying to have a stealth approach. But in shallow, I still use bono uh, just to have that stretch. Again, people overlook the, the concept of stretch to, to help you uh, instead of hinder you.
1: Well, Nate, that's all great information. And calculated stretch is something that we take uh, seriously a lot of the time. And I think a lot of people just take one line for all of the above. But it's the details that make you better at it than most people. Uh, we've got a little less than a minute right here. Uh, folks want to get a hold of you book a guide trip or maybe join up for one. Of your ice tournaments, where do they do it?
2: Absolutely, tight line outdoors. You know, our schedule is released for ice section. Tickets are on sale. The first event is January sixth at Chatfield Reservoir. Uh, ATV for first place. About twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars in prizes throughout the, the gamut of the event. And so we're excited about that coming up to your neighborhood in Boyd, uh, I believe, January 23rd, uh, or that Saturday. So we're excited about that. I'd love to see you out there. Um, And, yeah, everything has revolved around com, And also, uh, it makes a great Christmas present to get a gift card for a guided trip and uh, build education uh, to become a better angler.
1: There you go. Well, with that, Nate, we're going to let you go because it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you. So congratulations. Yeah, Yeah, right? I don't envy that. But uh, congratulations, (laughs) and I wish you safety in getting that bull out of the woods. And thanks for calling in.
2: Thank you.
1: We'll talk to you soon. All right. That's Nathan Zlinski, Titan Outdoors, one of, the, uh, one of the premier outdoorsmen in the state of Colorado. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3, The Fan.
0: You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter.
1: All right, welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. I'm Chad Lachance, and I'm filling in for Terry Wickstrom, who's in the South Pacific enjoying some uh, some sunshine and hopefully some fishing. And uh, this is the segment of the show where we do the Sportsman's Warehouse Ask the Expert question. Uh, you submit your questions to, uh, to Mr. Wickstrom via email, including your name and, uh, and phone number and mailing address. And if he chooses or I choose to answer your question on the air, you'll receive a $25 Sportsman's Warehouse gift card that you can use at any of the Sportsman's Warehouse uh, locations around the country or online as well. There's 86 stores, I believe, around the country, so uh, you've got options for that gift card. And It's a company that I've worked with for uh, 14 years, actually. They've been the title sponsor of everything Fishful for a long time, and uh, we're always happy to have Sportsman's Warehouse around. But what a lot of people don't know is I spent a long time working, uh, five years working behind the fishing counter, and I answered lots of questions. Of, uh, of Christmas gift question. So when I got ready to choose one of the ask the expert questions for this week's show, this is what I chose. It is from Amy F. in uh, Northern Colorado. Thanks, Amy, for submitting your question. Amy's question is, I want to get my son to step up from his Doc Demon fishing rod. He's ready to move on from his Snoopy pole. What should I look for in a fishing rod for a seven-year-old? Well, I love this question from the timeliness of it uh, with us going into holiday season. I love this question from the standpoint that Amy F's seven-year-old is already fishing and has a Doc Demon rod, whatever exactly that is. But I think the bottom line is between working in the fishing department for many years like I used to do, uh, teaching hundreds and hundreds of kids and coaching hundreds of kids to fish, um, the biggest thing I think that people need to keep in mind is those little tiny Snoopy rods, the little short rods are very difficult to catch fish with it was kind of an epiphany for me when i was trying to hook some fish one day for a girl who was really struggling like a like a seven-year-old girl was really struggling to catch fish she had a little snoopy rod i tried to show her the hook set and i kept missing the same fish because that two and a half foot rod doesn't give me any leverage well here's my answer to amy's question Get yourself an Ugly Stick. The reason I say an Ugly Stick, a Shakespeare Ugly Stick, and specifically an original Ugly Stick, is because your kid cannot hurt it. He can beat on his little brother with it. He cannot hurt that fishing rod. And that's an important thing, because kids are not going to always be real intuitive. If you're going to buy him a rod, buy him one that will last. And an Ugly Stick will do that. That's an important thing. Get a rod somewhere around the four and a half to 6 foot long range. Now, somebody's going to say, man, that's Seems awful long for a kid. The thing is this: kids are not particularly strong. They're not necessarily the speediest on the hook sets. They're not trained on controlling fish. Longer fishing rods will help them with all of the above. Longer fishing rods, counterintuitively, will also help them make a better cast. You obviously, anyone that's ever played golf, the driver is the longest golf club in the in the bag for a reason it gives them the most lure speed or the most golf club head speed. The kid with a six-foot fishing rod, all things being equal, is going to cast a lot farther than a kid with a four-foot fishing rod. So that's, that will give them something fun to play with. So get a rod in the four-and-a-half to six-foot range and get an ugly stick. When it comes to the reel, I recommend a Shakespeare Synergy underspin reel as opposed to the push-button you know, style that we all learned with the thumb push-button on top. The reason being it is far more natural for the reel to hang under the rod and also because the next step from the, from the from the spin cast type reel is going to be an open face spinning reel and now if you get a Shakespeare Synergy under spin reel you can then swap that reel for a regular spinning reel on the same ugly stick which we already mentioned is going to last for a long time so my answer to Amy F's question is get a rod in the four and a half to six foot range a Shakespeare ugly stick Put an underspin on it, spool it with basic monofilament, and go fishing. And I really think that if you do that, your seven, eight, nine year old kid is gonna have a, a very fishable combination that should last for a very long time teach them about slackline control that's one of the key things is teach them about slackline control so if you teach them that and get them a rod and reel combo that's uh, at least reasonably appropriate you're going to be better off for sure so uh, I really appreciate Amy F taking the time to send in uh, her question and and more importantly getting her kid out fishing and uh, we'll reward her with a $25 gift card to Sportsman's Warehouse and hopefully she will go apply that gift card towards a rod and reel uh, gift combo for her so, thanks a lot for uh, for that, Amy. We do appreciate that. And uh, One other quick thing I'll add to that If you're going to start kids out Don't make them sit bait on the bottom and not move it Kids don't have any patience I don't even have that much patience Get them a lure that floats And let them cast and retrieve it And teach them to cast at things They You'll find out that they will truly enjoy The act of casting and retrieving a bait More than they will sitting there waiting For that bobber to go under So that's just my little extra tidbit with that Hopefully that will help you out uh, We're going to step aside in a minute We're going When we get back we'll be joining. By J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. We're going to talk about a couple of things for Children's Hospital, some shooting stuff, and a bunch of stuff. But we're going to step aside, take a quick break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 1043, The Fan.
0: You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire.
1: All right. Welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. We've got a really crowded segment, so I'm going to go right back to the phones right now. And I'm Chad Chance filling in for Terry Wickstrom, and we're going to be joined on the phones by Mr. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays Shooting Range. Good morning, J.R
3: hey good morning chad
1: well uh, it's a beautiful day in colorado i wish i was outside but i'm here in studio and we've got a lot to talk about in a somewhat short segment i know that uh, that you find folks at colorado clays are believe in giving back you've got a fundraiser come up coming up i love the name of it why don't you tell some folks what Colorado clays is up to
3: all right chad and thanks for bringing that up First, I want to tell all of those brave young kids at Children's Hospital that we are thinking of them. So I want to get that done first. Um, You know, we are Colorado's premier public shooting facility and, you know, open year-round. And throughout the year, we welcome everyone from beginning and novice shooters, kids and adults alike, recreational Um, particularly lots of expert in law enforcement. Uh, We do lots of groups, family outings, weddings, bachelor, bachelorette parties, and corporate events. But nobody does the shooting fundraisers like Colorado Clays does, Chad. And if you've never participated in one, um, this is your chance. It's the Merry Miracles Fun Shoot and Toy Drive to benefit those kids at Children's Hospital. Uh, Anyone and everyone is welcome. The shoot is on Saturday, December 2nd, so mark the calendar. Uh, We'll start registration at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, Very affordable entry fee, and if you bring a gift for the kids at Children's Hospital, we'll take $10 off right away. Uh, For that entry fee, you get to shoot, of course, the one and only Colorado Clays 15-station sporting clays course, which is worth the price of admission itself. Um, A delicious spaghetti lunch, the chance that I think we've got three to four guns as door prizes and many other ones. And this year, for the first time, we are going to set up a flurry event for participants for a small donation. You'll get to shoot a flurry. And if you've never done that, um, you need to try it.
1: Well, I haven't done it and I want to try it. So you may see me there. What's the date of your Merry Miracles event?
3: Again, that is Saturday, December 2nd.
1: Excellent. And if folks want to get information, they can go to the Colorado Clays website and get that, correct?
3: Absolutely. Everything you need and probably some things I didn't cover are there. Um, We are hoping everybody comes on out for this one.
1: I bet they do, and I bet you get a good turnout for that, and I know that Children's Hospital is a hugely beneficial resource for so many kids in need. I've worked with kids from there myself, done some other fundraisers for there, and I'm very happy to hear that uh, that you guys and you know the Kraft family and everybody there at, uh, at Colorado Clays has stepped up to help with that. Now, now, with that, you guys are the premier shooting facility. We've already discussed that. Um, we're kind of getting near the end of the rifle seasons. They're winding down right now, but that doesn't mean that we still won't be out in the woods with our guns uh maybe predators things like that but uh how'd the season go with you guys
3: well let's go ahead and thank the literally hundreds and hundreds of big game hunters that came to colorado clays to sight their guns in uh, i'm already hearing back from bunches of them and all of that preparation really paid off chad um, and like i say, we do have some other things coming up and preparation is the key you know I heard a little of your last segment, and, man, you had some great advice for those kids. Um, You know, example, my little um, grandson Wyatt is a bass-catching machine, and it's it's not luck. He spends his spare time in the backyard practicing, and when we get on the water, he makes those accurate casts. And, you know, it's the same with shooting. Um, You know, we've got the predator season coming up here, and, like you say, that does even... Require more precise shot placement sometimes than the larger game might. And uh, here's what's cool about the Colorado clays is that uh, whether you're bird hunting, well, you know, say doves all the way to geese, maybe getting ready for big game or those varmints, um, you want to practice your pistol or home defense gun or competing, or maybe you just want to be better uh, the next time you and your friends come out to the range and shoot. Uh, Colorado Police. we provide everyone the opportunity to practice and prepare for whatever their individual or even specific shooting me- needs may be
1: well I think the preparation thing is not to be taken lightly we talked a little ahead of time and I introduced a a 50 year old gentleman who had never been big game hunting this year to his first big game season and I forced the issue with him practicing wise like I literally forced the issue not just go zero your rifle but practice with it and there's not I don't know where you hunt but there's no benches in the woods where I hunt you're going to be shooting off shooting sticks or a fence post or a tree or sitting down or prone or whatever but not off a bench and so once your gun is zeroed I find I get very little help. Once I know the basic fundamentals of shooting, by shooting off a bench, I do better shooting in a more natural position, and I know you guys can accommodate that uh, at Colorado Clays as well.
3: Yeah, and on that note with the rifles, I mean, we do have – it is uh, an amazing facility. Um, Chad, you can shoot prone in our – Um, In our facility, you can shoot sitting, and we have a variety of rests. So if you want to start out with a lead sled and make sure that gun is on the money, we can. We have several different types of rests, from sandbags to um, rubber things that would simulate possibly shooting sticks and whatever you think you're going to run into out there, you can um, simulate and practice on at Colorado Clays.
1: Yeah, and that's really important. And quickly, um, we're going to run out of time here, really quick. But you know, when it comes to the varmint seasons, you know, as you said, it's a classic example of aim small, miss small. You you try to pick a coyote off at a couple hundred yards. First of all, they don't like to stand still. Second of all, there's a lot more hair than there is. Body Body in there, and uh, and you I mean you're talking about hitting a two or three inch target at a couple of hundred yards, as opposed to say an eight inch circle on the side of an elk. So definitely requires some practice, and uh, and there's a lot of fun shooting the varmint rifles as well. Um, JR, if folks want to get some information on Colorado Clays quickly, where would they do it?
3: Yes, ColoradoClays.com. Um, most anything you could need would be there, or feel free to give us a call, 303-659-7117.
1: And with that, um, last question, I'm asking everyone the same thing, a gift idea for the outdoorsman or possibly the shooter on your list?
3: Uh, good question, Chad, but that's a no-brainer for me. Uh, Colorado Clay's gift card. Um, there's so many things Anybody can do with that here. Um, whatever, whatever game you like, whatever you uh, enjoy doing, reference shooting sports, we can accommodate.
1: Well, and that, you know, it, it is a great thing. I, I love to shoot practice. Uh, I, I think folks would uh, be surprised. You know, we have high school um, trap shooting teams and, and things like that as well. So it's a really great deal. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking the time, J.R., to this beautiful Saturday morning to give us a call and all of Colorado Clay's support of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors.
3: Thank you so much, Chad.
1: All right, take care. That's J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. And speaking of support for Terry Wickstrom out George, we're going to go back to the phones because we are now joined by Honey Smoke Salmon Company. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, Chad. How's it going this morning? Excellent! What a beautiful day. Well, that's good. Now, Kevin, I, I think that um, that a lot of people think of your honey smoked fish as something you eat straight out of the bag, and I and certainly you can, and it is a fantastic what I call pocket food, something to carry with you when you're out hunting. Um, but I also know that it's a great ingredient and, and other things. What do you got in mind for us today?
4: Well, you know, it's hot, it's Turkey Gobble 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 Day. It's coming right up, and everybody thinks it's just a turkey date, and it is. But, you know, while that turkey is cooking, don't you think your guests are getting hungry? So I recommend the high-quality, high-protein, superfood, honey-smoked salmon that I make, and use it for an appetizer. Put it with a cheese platter. Put it with, whip it up with, you know, different whips of cheese spreads or salsa. Uh, liven up the party or some crackers, cream cheese, smoked salmon and put a raspberry or blackberry on top and it'll explode in your mouth as an appetizer.
1: Well, that, uh, that all sounds really good. Now, in the past, I've, I've spun it up with, uh, with a little bit of cream cheese and some, uh, some sour cream and made a, a dip out of it. I know that's really good. Maybe pulse in the food great. processor. So good. I never so thought of that, fruit, leave though. Leave the
4: cream cheese out for like an hour or so and the smoked salmon so it gets really soft and oily. It it whips better and when you, you know, mix it.
1: Oh, see, there you got a little tip. We didn't know we were going to get a little tip about that. Now, uh, Well, this is a fishing program, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah but, hey, you know what? You got to eat a high-protein <laughs> snack, and I'm a big believer in protein in the woods. I don't I don't snack on anything but, you know, jerky, salmon, some kind of protein stuff in the woods. I think that's, that's, that's underrated a lot. And for folks that don't even like smoked salmon, your salmon's sweet. It's got some texture to it. Um, but there's no it, honey in the fish. It's honey in the firing process that seals the salmon. So it's sweet because the
4: salmon is sweet. We don't add any sugar to the fish.
1: Well, that's even better to hear because it has got a distinct sweetness to it. And the less you add to anything, as far as I'm concerned, the better off it is for you. And, uh, and certainly the, the, most, the best things to eat are the simplest things. Now, quickly, uh, you said fruit. I've not heard fruit and salmon compared. Uh, give me a couple of fruit examples. Oh, here's another
4: one. Slice apple. Instead of you want you know, crackers or bread, you want you know lean that stomach out, use some sliced apple sliced cheese, smoked salmon, and then put a little raspberry or blueberry on top.
1: Wow. Yum. That, that sounds delicious. If if uh, people want to get a recipe from you guys, can they? Where, where would they do that?
4: Just go online, honeysmokefish.com. We're a local company. Colorado Proud and the Secrets in the Fire.
1: Well, there you go. Kevin, I appreciate uh, not only you taking the time, but those are some good ideas I hadn't even thought about, and I've been using your stuff for years since it first came out. So uh, that's Well, good. thank
4: you for being on the show. I mean, You sound great. So. Uh, well,
1: well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, cooking is second nature only to fishing for me, and so uh, we enjoy the stuff, and I appreciate all your continued support of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and uh, hopefully you'll have a great holiday.
4: And thank you to all of my customers, and happy holidays.
1: All right, there you go. Now, I didn't have to ask Kevin from Honey Smoked Fish Company a gift question. Uh, I'm pretty certain he was going to recommend about a six-pound bag of Honey Smoked Salmon to, to whoever's on your list uh, for gifts. But it's uh, great stuff, guys. It honestly is, and you should try it for yourself. But we're going to step aside, take a quick break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3,
0: The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.
1: All right, welcome back to the final segment of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I'm Chad Lachance, and I've been filling in for the last two hours for Terry Wickstrom, who's away and traveling, and we wish him safe travels in the South Pacific, doing his thing. But uh, for the last segment of the phone of this of the show I believe I've saved the best for last because uh, this this next caller is a, a kid that's uh, I've known for a very long time he's a, a I would consider him family at this point um, you know young kid doing great things and uh, so let's go right to the phones we're joined with mr. Ryan Wood Good morning Ryan.
5: Good morning Chad. how are you today?
1: Well I'm good happy birthday first of all I figured out today's your birthday so happy birthday
5: thank you very much
1: yeah congratulations on that and how old are you today for the viewers
5: i am 20 today
1: 20 years old very good now uh how many boats have you won
5: of one, two boats.
1: Two boats. 20 years old, one, two boats. Let me give some folks some backstory here, real quick. Ryan Wood, for those that aren't familiar, is uh, probably one of the top collegiate anglers in the entire country. When it comes to competitive bass fishing, there's been a huge growing trend uh, for folks to. Um, uh compete starting at a junior level going up through the high school level and then on to the collegiate level um ryan and i started fishing together what i guess is a nine or ten year old you fished your first tournament with me is that correct
5: ten year old So i've known you for half my life
1: half your life and you've been winning tournaments for half your life then too um you were the several time state champ the 2013 junior world champ bass fisherman the 2016 high school national champ, along with your teammate, Turner Mason. And now uh, you just won the Arkansas Collegiate Series Team of the Year at your college there at Dallas Baptist University in Texas. Congratulations.
5: Thank you very much.
1: First off, I got to ask, how does it feel to be competitive at every level you've ever tried to compete in? At this point, you've got to be feeling confident.
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. i feeling confident. It's a dream come true. This is all I've wished for my entire life ever since. Even before I fished my first tournament when I was young, just fishing ponds for fun, I always wanted to fish. wanted to fish for a career, and now it's becoming a possibility and even more real at this point. It's just amazing.
1: Well, yeah, it really is, and, and the success um, has been amazing that you've accomplished along the way. And for for. And the biggest reason I wanted you to call in this morning was to maybe get some other folks that are out there, maybe adults that are listening to, to think that, Hey, this is a viable thing for my kid to, to do no different than football or, or soccer or whatever else you might get your kid involved in for one. And for two, for the kids out there listening, I mean, you've enjoyed some tremendous benefits by being involved in competitive fishing along the way. Um, you know what? Uh, what would you? What advice would you give a, a kid that's considering? Hey, I'll, you know, maybe I want to try competitive bass fishing, even if they haven't necessarily been fat fishing or been bass fishing per se. For instance, your your teammate Turner Mason, when you were in high school, he hadn't bass fished a whole lot his whole life until you guys got together. If I remember that story correctly, what advice would you give somebody that's been trout fishing or been general fishing, but now he wants to try competing?
5: One thing I would definitely suggest is to just get involved. There are plenty of great clubs in the state of Colorado, a Northern Club, Central Club, Denver, and then Southern Pueblo, um, Colorado Springs area. But just get involved. The Fountain Club down south, Denver Junior Bassmasters, and then the Centennial Bassmasters. Those are the three clubs. But get involved, contact people, and then all those clubs do Yearly or routine outings throughout the year, going to ponds, doing small tournaments, and then they all have a tournament at the end of the year. And just get involved, see if you like it. If you want to pursue, then those clubs are a great way to grow throughout high school. And then you can get involved in college clubs, and fish at a collegiate level as well.
1: Right, and I agree with that 100%. Now, my experience, and, I, and to see if you echo this, has been that a kid can sign up with, with almost no experience at all, and there is going to be an ample supply of people that are ready to teach them the sport of bass fishing. Would you agree with that?
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. There are plenty of even older kids in the club and that are willing to teach the younger kids, the new kids that have just joined, There's also plenty of adults that come from the other clubs, not the junior clubs, but the Denver Bassmasters that join on the outings and teach the kids. If it's a boating outing, the adults are the ones who supply the boat and they end up teaching the kids everything they know about the lake and how to catch the fish.
1: And as the guy that's been that boating captain a lot, um, it's one of the most rewarding thing for people that are listening that 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 maybe aren't it's not their own kids they're thinking about. If you don't have kids or maybe your kids are grown or whatever, uh, getting involved as a boat captain for for some of these events is great. And the events run from Horsetooth to Pueblo and everywhere in between. Um, it's a really great deal, in uh, what you can pass on. And that's kind of how you and I got going. Is you you kind of randomly drew me. I mean, we had some history, which we'll we'll spare. But you you kind of randomly drew me on that first tournament, It worked out pretty good and we kind of grew from there but as you as you grew uh, it's it's kind of on you just like any other sport uh, you know you can only coach a kid so much at some point the kid's got to step up and do their part and you have more than personified that kid when it comes to preparation you know we were talking to the guys at Colorado Clay's the the gun range shortly and he was pushing preparation I believe that's one of your strengths would you agree with that
5: well, thank you very much for saying that first off. And then I would also agree that I have a very good strength and preparation before any tournament, even the smaller, not small, but smaller college tournaments. I'm always making sure to research my lakes, find out any reports, look at past tournaments that have been held there. Um, look at the weather, look at the current conditions, what's happening. Cold front coming through, it's a warm front coming through. Um, what should the bass be doing this year? And then, once I get to Lake and I'm able to practice, I put all that into play. But one thing I've also learned is don't get set on a specific idea because I've had it happen many times where something very expect unexpected comes up and it ends up being totally different than what we thought, especially with the national championship.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, there's always what the book tells you you should do. But keep in mind, the book wasn't written by the fish. (laughs) The book book was written by some other guy and the fish write the book that I want to read every day. And, uh, and you're exactly right. You have to fish with an open mind. And, and, and everyone always asks every time we put a TV show, which by the way, you've been on Fishful Thinker television a couple of times as well. People always ask me, what'd you catch them on? And that's almost the only question we get. And, uh, and it, it it strikes me as funny because it, it doesn't tell you the story. It doesn't give you the backstory of why, if somebody asks how I coached and you, and you, you won the national championship, you and you and Turner, and you just, Tell them well, we 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 won with jerkbaits. That doesn't tell the story at all, and, uh, exactly. and and that's the open mind thing of we're g- you're doing what you do and developing your own confidence and learning to fish how you want to fish. Uh, what would you say? Um, is fishing's to some degree a, a, an individual sport, but it's also a team sport. You're the team of the year. You had a teammate that helped you win that this year. You yep. had a teammate when you helped win the national championship for high school. And you guys worked as a team. And that's one of the things that I'm most proud of, of of you and Turner for that national championship was you guys worked as a team. One of my favorite pictures from that event is you guys even sharing the weight of that 19 pound bag headed to the scales, uh, you know, and that teamwork is huge. And you learn that in fishing the same as you would in any other sport. And I know you tried some other sports. What happened with those?
5: Well, I was in baseball in basketball and football, um, And they all took time away from fishing. I always wanted to be fishing instead of out on the field. And my parents eventually realized that, took me out, and then started getting me more involved with the bass fishing. And even though mostly as an individual sport, it's definitely taught me a lot about teamwork, um, especially in college where I'm with a partner. He's my same partner. Um, We travel all together. And then it's also cool having not just you and your partner, but two more teams more partners that are with you that you can talk to and you can get information from and tell information to and help them as well.
1: Yeah, and and I agree. I think that the team and the sportsmanship, I think the sportsmanship displayed at the national championship, that the team that finished second was certainly heartbroken they had a rough run uh they had a great day and we nipped them for the win and you could see the look on both those kids face but the first thing that everybody did was big group hugs you know shake hands and and congratulation and move on and uh sportsmanship is is very very big in fishing and uh and i think that's a huge thing now we've got uh just a couple of minutes here real quick about a minute and a half uh motivation for the kids to maybe want to get involved or for the parents you won some scholarship money yep
5: Yep, you won boats. Yes, I did.
1: And you live in a house that is populated only by fishermen on uh, at campus, and you guys are the fishing team in a big house together.
5: Yeah, and there's plenty of tackle everywhere.
1: And that sounds like fun. I know a whole bunch of adults that would love to do that. So if you're a kid out there that's listening and you want to fish, Ryan Wood is your poster child in terms of what you can do with it. And did he do it easily? No. Ryan, it took a tremendous amount of work. It's taken a large percentage of your life, but anything else worth accomplishing is worth working towards. And uh, and I think that the, the kids out there will, will would see that. Uh, that the rewards will uh, will more than make up for it. You've been all over the country. You've seen some beautiful lakes. Where's your favorite?
5: That's a tough one. Um, I'd probably have to say Kentucky just because my experience is there. I've fished there I think five times now and all haven't been wins, but I've definitely had great experiences
1: there. Oh man, that's a beautiful lake. So we have 15-20 seconds. A, a gift for an outdoorsman
5: on your list. Gift for an outdoorsman? One thing I would suggest is to take someone fishing.
1: Take someone fishing, the gift of an experience. Ryan, I appreciate it. Wisdom beyond your years. Happy birthday, boy, and uh, 20 years old, going strong. I appreciate you taking time to call in.
5: Thank you very much. Have a great day.
1: You bet. That's Ryan Wood, Dallas Baptist University, the reigning Arkansas collegiate series champion. With that, the uh, show's winding down. I want to thank Terry Wickstrom Outdoors for letting uh, me, Chad LaChance, fill in. If you want some information on what we do, go to fishfulthinker.com. You can book a guide trip for next year. We'd appreciate that. And uh, go out with myself, Dan Swanson, or of course the other host here at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, Ronnie Castiglione. We can book with any one of us for next year, gift certificates or all of the above. With that, we are winding down. You've been listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3, The Fan.